It's time for midday here on the 25th day of January. It's a snowy Monday for most of us. Some areas seeing up to 7 inches of snow so far. Most areas around 2 to about 5 inches of snow. Of course, we'll get more information about the storm and when it may possibly wind down. Coming up in regional ag weather in about 15 minutes with our own Paul Perkins. But let's talk with our own Susan Littlefield, who's in eastern Nebraska. And Susan, how much snow are you guys getting so far? A lot. I haven't gone out to measure it yet, but I was challenged by somebody else. So every hour I'm taking a picture of my grill. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a frog in my throat. So every hour on Twitter, I'm sharing a picture of the grill as the snow gets higher and higher and higher. Now, I did see your initial post, but I have not uh, followed up. So I assume it's uh, inundated with snow. Oh, yeah. It's like the holes on the side of the grill are completely gone now. Oh, you know, okay. the vent holes, yeah, they're, right. they're gone. And it's really picked up probably in the last, oh, 10 minutes or so. Mm. And well, it's it's crazy. And people are being advised, you know, if you don't have to travel anywhere, don't. Stay home. As a firefighter and an EMT, I'm begging you, stay mm-hmm. home. <laughs> yeah, not ideal conditions. If you can wait, please do so. Uh, if you do, just take it super slow. But just don't travel if you have to. So that's the, exactly. the words of today. Uh, what do you have for us coming up today? Well, we're going to check in. Of course, we had the U.S. Custom Harvesters uh, event and convention that took place um, over the into the weekend, and I caught up with one of the Kansas State Patrolmen as they talk about uh, regulations for our custom harvesters and, and the work that's being done to kind of make things mirrored same from state to state to state. So we'll talk about that at 1219. Then Rebel will step in at 1245 as they talk uh, with the Dean of the College of Ag Science and Natural Resources at UNL, reflecting on the fall of 2020 and what's happening in the upcoming semester, which technically was supposed to start today, but Mother Nature changed that. Mm-hmm. And then at 117, we'll hear from the UNL Chancellor, Dr. Ronnie Green, as he discusses a recent visit from a top Homeland Security official and funding that's happening for a USDA office in Lincoln. So that's a midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you very much. We'll look forward to those grill pictures. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right. That was Susan Littlefield. Let's turn it over to Jason Jorgensen in sports, and we know who's playing in the Super Bowl. We do. Get ready for the Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady storyline <laughs> to be jammed down your throat in the next two weeks. We shouldn't be surprised by this matchup in the Super Bowl. I'm surprised the Buccaneers won. And I know they took Green Bay apart in the regular season, but I really I didn't think the Buccaneers would show up and win that game. You know, their defense is playing really well. Yep. They have so many weapons on offense, and it's hard to you, you can't bet against the legend in Tom Brady. Even when he had a you know, some color blindness <laughs> there yesterday in the second half, True. a couple of key interceptions, but uh He's the greatest of all time. He is. And it should be a fun Super Bowl, which, by the way, in case you haven't heard, we'll carry the Super Bowl coming right. up on February 7th. So the first time we'll ever have it on uh, KRVN. So well done, Tyler, for pulling that one off. Hey, you just got to ask the right people, you know, shake some hands, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But, no, that should be fun. Uh, good trip for the Lopers overall. Yeah, the women won both games. Men came up short on Saturday. Loper women still 12-0. and 0. Oh, Very good. All right, let's turn it over to Bob Broken. How are stocks doing so far? Kind of mixed right now. Tech stocks off to a good start, but other parts of the markets aren't as strong. Merck is giving up on a couple of potential COVID-19 vaccines. They're saying the early results don't look good, so they're going to concentrate on some possible treatments for the virus. Those are some of the stories we're watching. KRBN is turning 70 on February 1st. 
Oh, yes, we've aged like fine wine, and we want you to help us celebrate. Tell us your favorite memory or story, and it could be heard on the air. Visit krvn.com. Use the open mic feature on the KRVN app, or visit our Facebook pages to share your favorite story. Listen in February 1st for an all-day celebration as former legends join us throughout the day. Celebrate with us on Time for regional ag weather update. Our own Paul Perkins has stepped in. And, of course, the main topic today is snow. Yes, it's a changing weather situation. Uh, that snow's starting to wind down a little bit earlier than anticipated over north-central Kansas. So they may be able to get to some snow cleanup a little bit sooner than expected. But a lot of the snow, mainly from the Tri-City area on into southeast Nebraska, into north-central northeast Kansas. And that's where a lot of our accumulations have ranged right around four to six inches already. And this system, it's kind of just sitting in the central and southeastern region of Nebraska. It hasn't really moved a lot. Exactly. That snow very scattered from about North Platte to Broken Bow on into the Nebraska Sandhills. But basically, if you're along in southeast of the line from Norfolk down to the Ord area, Kearney and Holdridge and Phillipsburg and points off towards the southeast, that snow just continuing to fall. And some of it had a pretty good clip, especially from Hastings on into southeast Nebraska, northeast Kansas there. Now, the winds haven't been the worst thing so far, but we have been getting reports of zero visibility near the York area. That was from the Sheriff's Department. But things could be worse in terms of the winds. Are those going to pick up as the day goes along? Exactly. Yes, they will. Uh, as this load begins to pull away, we'll start to see those wind gusts on into the 30s, already starting to see some sustained winds up around 20 miles per hour. And, you know, any kind of wind with the snow like this, uh, it doesn't take long for right. those visibilities to go down. And the temperatures are very low right now in the low 20s. So this snow is very powdery and is easy to blow around for it. And unfortunately, it sounds like tomorrow we have another chance of snow as well. Exactly. This That next system uh, tomorrow won't be as impactful, maybe another inch or two. But hmm. yeah, we may not even, it may not even be seamless. Or we may just see kind of one system depart and another system will start to see the effects of it as it does move through the area for tomorrow. So uh, hardly a clean break on the way with it. Just what everybody wants to hear. Exactly. A little more snow, but then after that, that snow will let up. Rundown on the advisories. Winter storm warning remains in effect until 3 tomorrow morning for central and east Nebraska on into central Kansas. The Nebraska warning area is along and east of the line from Ord to Lexington to Cambridge. Kansas, your warning area, along and east of the line from Oberlin to Gove and Jetmore. Heavy snow expected with accumulations of 6 to 12 inches. Those overall highest amounts to the east of a St. Paul to Alma and Plainville line. Northeast winds increasing and and will be gusting to between 20 and 35 miles per hour this afternoon, promoting some blowing and drifting and perhaps near blizzard conditions. And we've already, of course, seen some zero visibility in some areas. Now, on the outer edges of this winter storm warning, a winter weather advisory is in effect until midnight tonight for total snow accumulations of 3 to 8 inches. Snow remains likely through this evening as strengthening low pressure tracks to our east across southern Kansas. Central and east areas seeing very heavy snowfall rates of an inch or two an hour through the mid to late afternoon overnight tonight that low will track into eastern missouri leading to decreasing snow chances and diminishing winds there may not be a true clean break between snows between systems even after our winter storm warning ends at three tonight light snow or flurries could linger into tomorrow a weaker system 
pushing through tomorrow afternoon through tomorrow night. The latest forecast models indicate we'll see additional snow accumulations with that system of about no more than one to two inches. So it's not going to be a big weather maker by any means. Wednesday through the weekend, mostly dry when a ridge of high pressure takes over. A system passing to our south on Saturday may bring some light precipitation to southeast locations. Temperatures will be much below normal through Thursday before we warm to slightly above normal for Friday through the weekend. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures begin at above normal levels this weekend through early next week before those temperatures trend to seasonal to near normal by the middle of next week through February 7th. Active weather is predicted with good chances for above-normal precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas for the first seven days of next month. We're going to see this brief uh, dry down from Wednesday into the weekend, but then more active weather returns for the first seven days of next month. Over the next five days, active weather will result nationally and result in a series of storms dropping southward along the Pacific coast before tracking northeast across the U.S., Precipitation will fall in all areas of the country, with the exception of the northern plains and parts of the south-central U.S. The storm currently crossing the nation's midsection today will produce heavy snow in parts of the Midwest and significant rain as far north as the Ohio Valley. The south may even experience some locally severe thunderstorms. The outlook for this weekend through Wednesday of next week, expecting the likelihood of above-normal temperatures from the plains to the east coast, Below normal precipitation across the southern plains should contrast with wetter than normal weather in most other areas, especially the northern two-thirds of the U.S. But all in all, uh, active weather here through the mid to late afternoon is when we're expecting most of the snow to fall. Central and east areas expecting the snowfall rates of about an inch an hour. Invisibility is down to a quarter of a mile. But once again, that snow area moving north in Kansas is diminishing a little bit quicker than expected. So your quick up uh, cleanup may begin a little bit earlier. Winds expected to stay up through this evening, especially eastern areas to the east of Highway 281. After midnight, we're going to see some significant improvement in visibility and some blowing snow still possible this evening, especially east of Highway 281, but conditions improving greatly during the overnight. Now, looking at the radar here, it appears it's lightening up a little bit from Kearney West. I know there's still some out there north of North Platte into the Sand Hills mm-hmm. up to Ainsworth, but it does appear that it's lighting up just a little bit. Exactly, yeah. It's some lighter amounts of snow, especially Norfolk down to Albion and Ord and Loop City and points off to the northwest, but yeah. Uh, Kearney and points off towards the east and southeast is where the bulk of that heavier snow is falling right now. All right, very good. Now, I know you also have some graphics as well. Where can you find those at? Yeah, you can check out the latest snowfall forecast map for your particular location. Just go to our KRVN Facebook page for that. Weather anytime, krvn.com. Thank you very much. Valley's Public Power District. The U.S. Custom Harvesters Annual Convention wrapped up over the weekend in Des Moines, Iowa. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. One of the aspects of this meeting is an opportunity for custom harvesters to speak with members of the state patrols from various states. Representation was there from Texas, Kansas, Nebraska, and South Dakota. My conversation as we look to Kansas. Joining us now is Trooper Nick Wright. He is with the Kansas Highway Patrol. And I I love the fact that we've got folks from Texas, South Dakota, Kansas, and Nebraska. You guys are all here to answer the questions that they may have. That's right. Yeah, we try to all work together. We try to be on the same page as far as law enforcement goes. There's a lot of federal regulations, which are the same across interstate lines. But a lot of times these guys are doing intrastate work, meaning within a particular state. 
and then they're subject to other state laws. There may be some who are doing farming and custom harvesting, and so they are in two different worlds, sort of, and maybe some different length laws, width laws, permitting, things like that. So it's good when uh, the convention attendees can walk through and just hit multiple states at once and get all the information that they need and also get contact information from us for later on they can get a hold of us down the road if they need some help with something. I think this is a great opportunity to kind of have that that friendly face and get those questions asked before they see the lights behind them. That's absolutely. I just had that conversation not 10 minutes ago that this is a great way when you don't have traffic buzzing you at 70 miles an hour. You can ask those questions in a non-enforcement, non-confrontational sort of thing, and you can get your answers. We can look on the computer, look up a reg book together, show them why it needs to be a certain way or doesn't need to be a certain way, even help them through some things where they can make take advantage of some of those exemptions that they're afforded as a custom harvester. So it is a great way just to have a nice casual environment. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just people like everybody else. We're not here to write everybody a bunch of tickets or anything. Right. We just want to have good relationships with everybody out here, too. So what's been the popular question so far? Uh, for Kansas, we have an agricultural permit that allows them to haul up to 90,000 pounds. Had a lot of questions about that. And just a lot of the other things, too, where guys work close to state lines. They had those questions about interstate travel, crossing state lines, and staying within a 150-mile radius. What do they need? What do they not need? And those sort of things. But that's been probably the two top things I've had so far this weekend. And the fact that you guys are, and I say you guys, I meant in a whole trying to get those regulations more fluent between the states absolutely i'm i'm involved with our commercial vehicle safety alliance too and and been on a lot of those conferences over the years and voting members there and that's one of my overarching themes is i just i would love for things to be easier for guys because we know that these regulations are hard to navigate i've got two regulation books on the table that are two inches thick and that's for somebody who deals with them all the time it may not be as difficult. There's still plenty of things I have to look up. So it's hard when a guy just wants to go out and do his job and be a custom harvester or be a farmer, but then he also has to navigate all these regulations. And so the more things can come together and be consistent and easy to navigate, all the better. Sir, for folks that are listening to this conversation and they may have questions or want to find out more details before the season gets here, where do they need to go? They could go to our website, which is kansashighwaypatrol.org. They can reach out to me, Trooper Nick Wright of the Kansas Highway Patrol. I'm our public information officer and our training coordinator, so I'm involved pretty heavily with training all of our commercial vehicle enforcement personnel in the state, police departments, sheriff's offices, and, of course, the Highway Patrol. And my contact information is on that page if you click on commercial vehicle enforcement, and you'll find my information on there. I'm officed out of the Kansas City area in Olathe, Kansas, and I can be reached by phone or email on there. I'll be glad to help anybody out that needs some help. Wonderful. Thanks so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And .com. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen has stepped in. And in case you haven't heard, the Nebraska wins basketball team, but not too bad this year. Well, they're doing okay. They, they stubbed their toe last week with that loss to Minnesota. That was a game they liked to have back. A winnable road game tonight at Illinois, who's 2-7 and seven overall, 0-6 in the Big Ten. Uh, they're already in Illinois, so they'll play. The snowstorm will not affect them. Oh, good. Tip-off is set for uh, 7. We'll have the game tonight here on 880 KRVN. 
All first-round games of the Central Conference Tournament have been moved until tomorrow. The Lexington boys are scheduled to play at Seward tomorrow at 6, if that game should happen. And that one might be unlikely, mm-hmm. unlikely but uh, we'll have it for you on Kimmy Country. Southwest Conference games today, those have been postponed. Also, the games in the Art Pack Conference, uh, they are moving all of those to tomorrow as well. Low Tom Brady's headed back to another Super Bowl, this time around with Tampa Bay. They are NFC champions. Chris will take on Kansas City on February 7th in Tampa. The Bucks earned their franchise record eighth consecutive road victory to reach the Super Bowl for the first time in 19 years. After winning three straight playoff games on the road, Tampa Bay will become the first team to play a Super Bowl in its own stadium. And Brady says a lot of work has gone into this. We've had a lot of people work really hard over a course of a period of time to get to this point. So to go on the road and win a, you know, another road playoff game is a, just a great achievement. And, uh, you know, now home Super Bowl for the first time in NFL history, I think, puts a lot of cool things in perspective. Anytime you're the first time doing something, uh, it's usually a pretty good thing. I don't know if this is right or not, but you never know with the NFL. You know, I did have think, uh, thoughts about that as well, but since – What's the likelihood of a team ever hosting the Super Bowl? I mean, they're usually in Florida or in California, mm-hmm. so, you know, it it could happen. It finally did happen. Imagine being a Patriots fan, though. Today, waking up, seeing that Tom Brady left you, and now in the Super Bowl again. They didn't want him. They didn't, they didn't want him. Well, I think the fans wanted him. I don't know if the organization. You know, they didn't want to pay him $20 million. <laughs> he took his talents to Tampa Bay. Paid off for him. Lexi's son had 11 kills and 7 digs as the Husker volleyball team started off their season 2-0 and as they swept Indiana over the weekend. And overall, head coach John Cook saw some good things. It was a, it was a good win. You know, it's tough beating the team twice in a row. Uh I thought we played better as the match went on. Indiana came out and was bombing serves right off, and we, it took us a while to adjust to that, but I thought we got a pretty good rhythm. The Huskers are scheduled to host Northwestern this weekend at the Bob Devaney Sports Center. And the UNK women, they're ranked fourth in the country. They are 12-0, and picked up a hard-earned win on Saturday, 65-57 over Missouri Southern. They're slated to take on Fort Hay State twice this week in a couple of big games. Hmm. Sounds like, can't say anything official, but... Uh, We'll let everybody know when that becomes official, what the schedule looks like. Weather pending. Yep. All right. Thank you very much, Mm -hmm. Jason. Time for KRVN News. You're at the bottom of the noon hour. Dave Schroeder is now joining us. And Dave's a little little snowy out there. Absolutely. Well, this winter storm is bearing down in central and eastern Nebraska, and more so in eastern Nebraska this afternoon. Nebraska National Weather Service Warning Coordination Meteorologist Mike Moritz gives a prediction of where the heaviest snow might fall today. The area that's in the orange roughly bounded by York, Hastings, Red Cloud, Smith Center, Stockton. That's your most likely area to see eight or more inches of snow. That's also, another thing this also tells you is this little bit of a range. If you look at Hebron, kind of the bottom end is eight inches, all right? Uh, But we could go up to 12 or 13 inches. So this now gives you an idea of how much snow we think will fall. It also gives you a little bit of that range. Well, Moritz says the snow should start tapering uh, late this afternoon, and especially after midnight, some lighter snow amounts. More snow is possible tomorrow on Tuesday, perhaps in the 1 to 3-inch range. A mass vaccination event in Lincoln that helped Nebraska record one of its most productive days in its campaign to distribute shots. 
could serve as a model for future events. Health officials in Lincoln say roughly 2,400 health care workers received the vaccine on Friday at the event held at the Pinnacle Bank Arena. That helped the state administer more than 8,700 doses of the vaccine on Friday in what was the second busiest day of the campaign so far. The case of 32-year-old Kathleen Jordan of Omaha has been continued. According to Dawson County District Court records, Jordan is facing charges of second-degree murder and use of a firearm to commit a felony in the shooting death of her husband, Joshua, on June 17th of last summer. Records say her pre-trial conference is scheduled for April 23rd, while her jury trial has been moved to May 11th. Authorities say Jordan, a resident physician, shot and killed her husband during an argument while the two were stopped on Interstate 80 near Kozad. The couple's two children were also in the pickup at the time of the shooting. Fire officials say a Hutchinson, Kansas resident who used a lighter as a flashlight accidentally lit the underside of the bed, starting a fire that heavily damaged the Hutchinson home. Firefighters responded to the call Sunday afternoon. They found heavy smoke and fire coming from a window on the front of the single-story home. The two adults and child who were in the home got out unharmed. Crews were able to contain the fire to the room where it started, but the two-bedroom home sustained smoke and heat damage throughout. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Students at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln are gearing up for a new semester. I'm joined by Dean of the College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources, Dr. Tiffany Hengmoss. Thanks so much for being with us. Well, thanks for the opportunity to join you today. So fall of 2020 looked a bit different for everyone. Tell us some highlights or takeaways from the past semester. 2020 has um, definitely challenged our Kasner community to innovate um, as we work to live out our land-grant mission. Um, we've adapted in so many ways for this unique time in our history, including the ways that we deliver on our commitment to provide our students with a meaningful educational experience, the way we conduct our research, engage with stakeholders, interact with colleagues, and the online platforms now that we use to connect with our current and um, prospective students. But um, during this challenging time, I just want to emphasize um, our faculty and staff have demonstrated the true character of our college community and the incredible care for and commitment to our students. They've responded with resiliency, inspiring innovation, and remarkable determination. And I'm also incredibly proud of our students um, for their dedication to their education, their optimism for their future, and uh, their ability to be able to adapt in that. And so I think some of the highlights that I would want to share um, from the past 10 months, if we reflect back to when we first got started um, with COVID, is number one, um, Kasner serves as a hub for preparing students to lead the talented workforce of their generation by attracting change makers and future leaders to earn their education in Nebraska. And um, the college is committing to ensuring a talented workforce for the state of Nebraska. And this year, we graduated our second largest class in Kasner history. And I'm confident that they are going to go on to do great things and ultimately make the world a better place. We also saw a lot of innovation um, with our teaching and learning and things that have happened. I'm 
confident are going to change higher education landscape well beyond COVID. And uh, some of these opportunities were um, our instructors. Not only did they deliver their course offerings, in many cases we're delivering in-person and online options to accommodate our students' needs, um, but they also enhanced the educational experience for our students. And an example of this was uh, Professor Dave Odeen. He leveraged his global network um, to invite experts from around the world to join his class. Um, they shared their expertise and engaged with our students. And so literally our students were engaging with experts from around the world in their different discipline areas. And this was true not only for the class that Dr. Wadeen taught, um, but our other faculty embraced their network um, of colleagues. We've also created a number of new undergrad, graduate degree programs, micro-credentials, certificates, specializations, minors, and courses um, to really enhance what we do in the area of our teaching and learning. And in fact, um, it was an all-time record for the number of new credentials, which is really awesome when you think about everything else um, that our faculty were dealing with. Definitely a challenging time, but a time that still managed to yield a lot of success. As we get ready to start the new semester, what are some projects or objectives that you're looking forward to? Yeah. Um, well, there are several new initiatives and exciting opportunities to look forward to as we start the spring semester. Um, for example, we have the opening of the new Dinsdale Learning Commons, um, which is scheduled for Monday, January 25th, as we welcome students back to campus. And so this will be a great new facility that will provide opportunities for our students to have an engaging learning collaborative spaces. Um, this new facility will also be home to our Engler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program, so that's also very exciting. And then this fall semester, um, we were able to open up the new um, renovated East Campus Union, um, which our students absolutely love having the new dining hall, um, the new collaborative spaces that are there also. So um, we're really excited about these new facilities that will provide opportunities um, for our students. We're also um, going to be launching the INR Global Learning Hub, and uh, through the Global Learning Hub, both in-person and online learners will be able to explore global learning opportunities in Nebraska and beyond, learn and interact with experts from around the globe, and the Hub will provide a platform for our global community of learners um, to also be able to connect. So we're really excited about that innovation. And then we're partnering with the Rural Prosperity Nebraska um, to build off of the success of the Rural Future Institute Fellows model that Dr. Helen Fagan created to offer service learning opportunities. And this year we're focused on up to 200 students in 100 communities across Nebraska. And uh, this will be a wonderful opportunity for our students to enhance their educational experiences and give back to our communities. And then another thing I'd share with you is that we're focusing on leveraging partnerships across the state to create education pathways um, for learners that are interested in food, energy, water, and societal systems. And an example of this is um, the creation of the Northeast Nebraska Ag and Natural Resources Education Compact, um, which launched last fall, and it's the first of its kind for our state of Nebraska. And then um, we recently announced a new partnership with Lincoln Public Schools um, that represents the first early college and career STEM program between Lincoln Public Schools and UNL. And so we also have a number of partnership discussions going on in the panhandle, in the central part of the state, Southeast Nebraska about creating additional education pathways um, that really will provide some new opportunities for the continuum of learners in our state. 
Once again, that was Dr. Tiffany Hangmoss, Dean of the College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Rebel Seclocha reporting on the Rural Radio Network. With today's business report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks turned lower in afternoon trading as investors looked ahead to this week's deluge of company earnings and remained concerned about the economic damage from a rise in coronavirus cases in some countries. The S&P 500 was down four-tenths percent after giving up an early gain of four-tenths percent. Several big companies will report their results this week, including Apple. Others include American Express, Johnson & Johnson, 3M, and AT&T. Investors are weighing evidence of the economic damage of current coronavirus restrictions against hopes that once the pandemic comes under some control, economies will bounce back. Merck is giving up on two potential COVID-19 vaccines following poor results in early-stage studies. The drug maker says that it will focus instead on studying two possible treatments for the virus that also have yet to be approved by regulators. The company says its potential vaccines were well tolerated by patients, but they generated an inferior immune system response compared with other vaccines. Merck entered the race to fight COVID-19 later than other top drug makers. Budweiser beer ads will be sitting out the Super Bowl. Anheuser-Busch will not be running ads for the iconic brand during the game and instead will donate the money it would have spent on advertising the brand to coronavirus vaccination awareness. But the beer giant still has four minutes of advertising during the game for its other brands, including Bud Light, Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade, Michelob Ultra, and Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer. Thousands of tractors are lining up on the outskirts of New Delhi, ready to swarm the Indian capital in a protest against new agriculture reform laws that have triggered a growing farmer rebellion that has rattled the government. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm the risk before investing. Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network, and today we are joined by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Chancellor, Dr. Ronnie Green. Dr. Green, back in December, you and other officials from the university welcomed one of the top officials within the Department of Homeland Security to Lincoln. Tell me more about his visit and the purpose of the trip. Well, well Bryce, we were, we're very pleased uh, that back before the holidays in December, uh, we had a visit from David Richardson, who is the Assistant Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security security or DHS and he actually leads within DHS their uh, countering weapons of mass destruction effort and office as part of the, the uh, department where their mission is to prevent protect and deter uh, biological and chemical and nuclear threats to American health and economic security and as we well know uh, in in agriculture uh, we well know in Nebraska the safety and protection of our food supply and our food supply system is a is a p- potential or vulnerable target to bioterrorism. We've uh, been on top of that, as, as your listeners will know, for now well over 20 years as a concern because of just the concentration of how disease in particular could be a threat to our food supply. So uh, when David visited the Institute of Ag and Natural Resources back in December, uh, he was here primarily to learn about our capacity uh, in this arena and what we're doing to help 
can continue to think about the future of protecting food production and plant and animal agriculture, what he refers to and we often refer to as food ag vet, over the next 10, 15 years ahead. Dr. Green, also in the news recently was a big announcement at Nebraska Innovation Campus, a place we're proud to call one of our homes here at the Nebraska Rural Radio Association. This is something uh, Congressman Jeff Fortenberry is working on, has to do with a USDA facility uh, calling Innovation Campus home in the future. Well, Bryce, it, it sure does, and we are in the stages of planning and discussion with the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Ag Research Service uh, as we speak in the appropriations bill on Congress. Uh, just here about a month ago, that there is uh, initial funding for the planning for a new USDA uh, center to be constructed on the Nebraska Innovation Campus. Uh, we are working and scoping that now with the Agricultural Research Service. Um, been very, very, very pleased about that. Uh, this we think will ultimately end up being something over a $200 million effort um, when it's when it's brought into fruition uh, for a new USDA National Center for Ag Innovation. Um, we, we, we will be talking a lot about it in the coming uh, time ahead as it develops, but it's anticipated that there will be a new, completely new federal lab in this area within the Ag Research Service. So uh, we already have some Ag Research Service scientists co-located with the University of Nebraska on the campus in Lincoln um, in the area of of, um, of uh, grass breeding, basically. And then, of course, the National U.S. Meat Animal Research Center, largest livestock research center in the world, uh, is co-partnered with us here at Clay Center. So very excited about this. And we'll be hearing and talking a lot more about it uh, as it develops in the time to come. UNL Chancellor Dr. Ronnie Green joining us here on the Rural Radio Network from the Nebraska Soybean War Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Bryce Duskip reporting. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Typically, we talk to John Payne, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, daily publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. Unfortunately, John unavailable this afternoon. So we take a look here at the closing grain futures still, and it was a sharply reversed day, seeing what happened with the sharp losses really throughout the week last week. We come to end that here today. Part of it comes off of a slower-than-expected start to um, the South American harvest. Motto de Grasso, only about 5% completed in their harvest close to 15% overall. Brazilian soybean harvest just 1% complete. Argentina still appears to be working a trucker strike with Stonex last week reporting just 10% of normal truck flow into many of their area ports. And we saw it come through this morning in the USDA weekly inspection, another strong round of inspections across the board. China taking in over 44 million bushels of U.S. soybeans. Even Cuba getting in on the action, purchasing nearly 150,000 soybeans. So when it comes to all that, how far are we now through January? January 21st, USDA says we've shipped about 1.664 billion bushels of U.S. soybeans. However, the Census Bureau data for the first several months of the marketing year actually suggests that USDA, given there was some exemptions in the USMCA, the new NAFTA deal, that uh, that 
inspection isn't quite there, that there could be actually another 83 million bushels of soybeans that USDA doesn't quite have on the books yet. So assuming that they just stayed right there, that puts us to 1.747 billion bushels at 78% of USDA's target, which ends at the end of this marketing year, which is August 31st. So already well, well ahead. That puts us up about 388 million bushels, up from 365 million bushels ahead of USDA's target for the 2021 marketing year. So that really seemed to reinvigorate the bull today and bring back that bullish momentum and fundamentals back through today. Of course, we're going to start hearing more and more about U.S. Anchorage here in the coming weeks as we're starting to get ever closer to that planting season. Looks like the lion's share going to corn and soybeans, but you look at the Minneapolis wheat trade, which John has remarked several times he thinks maybe is a long-term bullish play here. We're still at 626 to 640 on many of those Minneapolis spring wheat contracts. We'll see if maybe it can try to slip some anchors, but again, it looks like with $5 plus corn and we're now back near $14 soybeans on many of the current month contracts. And you look at the new crop to corn, 434, new crop soybeans, 1130. So uh, there's still some anticipation we could see big acreage here in the U.S. and and resulting in larger harvest here as well. But overall, the bull has returned here to the markets. Again, we saw that pullback last week, this market taking a breath from really a multi-month run-up that it had had. And it looks like it wants to resume some of that rally out here today. And kind of ignoring what's going on in the currency trade as the U.S. dollar index continues to just creep ever a little bit higher as we weigh down more from federal stimulus and more. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Thank you very much, Clay. That will wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. You can catch the Midday podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors at krvn.com.